Good morning, Maranatha and Merry Christmas. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable wishing you from our home and from our heart to your home, wherever you are hearing this Christmas message, these couple or three days before Christmas Day. Amen. Uh, We want you to have a Merry Christmas in spite of all of the things that are happening all around the world. We know that there will be people who have lost people to COVID, to this virus. We know there are people who have lost people to other things, accidents and diseases. We know that there are homes where divorce has occurred. We know that there are people that have lost people to auto accidents or murder. We know that we live in a faulty body, in a fallen world. We know we have a formidable foe in the enemy, the devil, who wants our destruction. But we also need to know, if you're a Christian, that we have a faithful Father that we can turn to in times like these. So this Christmas, I want to talk to you about three symbols that reveal the true meaning of Christmas Three symbols that reveal the true meaning of Christmas. And if we ever needed to focus on these three truths uh, that that are uh, really the uh, woven into the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ in such a powerful and personal way. Amen. There's the only way that we cannot focus on all of the heartache and heartbreak this Christmas 2020. And, and that is the cradle, the cross, and the crown. Heavenly Father, I pray you will help me today to speak words of counsel that will also comfort hearts and give us courage to face troubled times without fear or trepidation, but with hope and confidence and consolation. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to go to every home and every heart and touch in a way that only you can do. Where there is heartache and heartbreak, I pray that you will pour the oil and wine of God's love and grace into those deep wounds today. I pray that depression will not defeat your purpose to lift us up this Christmas season. And I pray that love will be so strong from your heart of hearts, Lord, that we will feel it, that we will sense it, and we will seize it as our own. And we will wrap ourselves in your love this Christmas season and thank you for the gift of your Son. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe on Him would not perish but have everlasting life. What kind of love is this? What kind of love is this? Help us to grasp it today. Hallelujah. And to live in the light of your love and grace as we go forward this year with hope in our hearts and with healing in our souls. Hallelujah. Amen. If you don't know Jesus, we welcome you 
to this Christmas service online. And we're going to talk to you once again about three symbols that reveal the true meaning of Christmas. The cradle, the cross, and the crown. First symbol is a cradle. The Bible said that God was manifest in the flesh. In 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. And it simply says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the Spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. Listen, I want you to underscore this in your heart or in your Bible if you have it open or if you're making notes. God was manifest in the flesh. Think about that today. God in a cradle. Not just a baby or any baby, but almighty God in human flesh. In the person of a tiny infant, the words are so familiar to us all in Matthew one twenty one, And Mary brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. This marked the greatest event the world has ever known. And the Bible said that his name was to be called Jesus because he would save his people from their sins. But also his name shall be called Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Hallelujah. You know, friend, in virtually every other world religion, God is over us. God is above us. God is high and distant and vague and hard to comprehend in any sense of, of comprehension. Even in the Old Testament, our God only came down on rare occasions. And when he came down on Mount Sinai, the mountain shook, and so did the people that witnessed it. Listen to Hebrews twelve eighteen through 21. It said, For you've not come to the mount which might be touched and burned with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, which voice they heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them any more. Now, they were not resisting what God was saying. What is What it was troubling them was the power, the powerful manifestation of God on that mountain. Verse 20 said, For they could not endure that which was commanded. And, and if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart or spear. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. And one translation said, I'm terrified and trembling. You see, friend, the message of Sinai is that God is holy and we are not. Fallen man cannot approach his holy presence. The veil in the temple, that thick dividing curtain, is a constant reminder of God's holiness and man's sinfulness. Both Sinai and the Old Testament temple say the same thing. Keep back. Do not enter. Stay away. Danger. No trespassing. 
<laughs> it was for man's sinfulness, sinfulness, dangerous, even deadly to encounter his holiness. But on Christmas Day, over 2,000 years ago, God came down. And because he came to us as a baby in a manger, we did not draw back in fear. We were drawn to him in love. You know, there's been a lot of rumors that men from outer space have visited our earth. But a recent government report said there's absolutely, um, and you know, I, I, I'm not giving a whole lot of credibility to government reports, but I'll just read it anyway. I do not believe that we have been visited from another planet as far as spacemen, little green men from Mars or wherever. The government report said there's no evidence that anyone from outer space ever set foot upon the earth. But when the fullness of time was come, the scripture said that God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. In Galatians 4, 4 and 5. Oh, there was an exception, wasn't there? Yes, the world has had a visitor from outer space. He's God of very God, the mighty God of creation, once came and walked in human flesh on this earth, cradled in a manger in Bethlehem where the hopes and dreams of a dying world. Those little hands which clasp the straw in his manger crib were soon to open blinded eyes, unstopped deaf ears, and still trouble seas. That little sweet voice was soon to be lifted up to command demons to depart and to teach men the way of salvation, to, to raise the dead. And those tiny feet were to take him to the sick and the needy and were finally to be pierced on Calvary's cross. They also took him to that awful old rugged cross to pay our sin debt, which brings us to the second symbol, and that is the cross itself. And it throws a real light on the meaning of Christmas. It's impossible to celebrate the birth of Christ without thinking of the cross. Listen, one preacher uh, said that, that he talked about the cross during his Christmas sermon. And someone in the audience came up afterwards, a gentleman. Well, he wasn't very gentle with the pastor because he said, Man, you just ruined Christmas for me because I was all focused on the baby in the manger and all of the good things. And you had to bring in his death and his dying and his agony. But friend, there was both light and shadows at the first Christmas. There was joy with overtones of sadness, for Jesus was born to die on that cross. Jesus, approaching the cross, said, Unto this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world. In John 18 and verse 37, All that Jesus did on earth was incidental to his crowning act of redemption on Calvary's hill. 
To Christians, the joy of Christmas is not limited to His birth, glorious, supernatural as that was, but because He was virgin-born. It is built on more, on and even more, on the triumph of His death and resurrection. It was His death and resurrection that really gave meaning and purpose to His birth. I told a radio audience years ago about a church in the town where I live, uh, near Tampa in Plant City. It's a little small church, and they didn't have a big elaborate manger scene, but they had a manger scene out in front. But was what was really creative and, and really caught my attention and touched my heart was at night, after the sun had went down, the manger scene was dimly lit, but there or was lit up dimly, but there was a, a spotlight in front of a cross that was laying on its side, propped up, and the shadow of that cross was over the entire manger scene. So when you looked to see the manger scene, you saw the shadow of the cross. Without a doubt, that captured the true meaning of Christmas. He came here with a purpose, and He fulfilled that purpose on the cross. He was born to die. Our death to pay our sin debt on the cross. And friend of mine, this Christmas, as bittersweet as the story is, it is a story of love like the world has never, ever known. The Bible says to wit in the New Covenant, God was in Jesus Christ reconciling us unto Himself. How did He do that? He did it on the cross. God is a spirit. Jesus was the second person of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that second person of the Godhead, the Bible said of him, by the way, there was nothing made that he didn't make, and all things were made for his pleasure. This is of Jesus. That's why Genesis 1, there's a there's someone there, one with God in purpose and work and person. <laughs> and that's why God said, let us, hallelujah, let us create man and our image. Glory be to God. Listen, friend, though the shadow of the cross is cast over the manger, yet the Christmas story is one of great victory that should bring peace and great joy to our heart and into our life. Who am I that a king would bleed and die for is a beautiful thought expressed in the lyrics of a beautiful song. Who am I who am I that a king would bleed and die for? But in that manger lay not just a great king, but very God. Who am I that the great God who created heaven and earth and all that in them is would come down to become a sacrifice lamb and die on the cross in our place? In Colossians 1, 14 through 19, it speaks of, of His purpose that was realized on the cross. 
And it says, In whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by Him, Jesus, were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether there be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him. For He, Jesus, is before all things, and by Him all things consist. And He, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning of the firstborn of the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in Him all fullness should dwell. Listen, this was no helpless child that lay in Mary's lap, but very God. Hallelujah. Men and women today are drawn to the cradle and drawn to the cross and thereby drawn to Jesus Christ. John twelve thirty two and 33, Jesus said, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. I've heard this ministered in, in this sense that when we magnify Him and glorify Him and testify and praise Him, we lift Him up and people are drawn. No, that's not really what this scripture is saying. It's true that when we lift Him up in our testimony and when we lift Him up in praise, people are drawn to Him. Amen. But what is the most compelling is the message of the gospel that Jesus went to the cross in our behalf and He paid our sin debt. And that's what He's talking about. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth when that cross was lifted up with Him impaled on it and set into the ground, He said, I will draw all men unto Me. This He said, signifying what death He should die. See, the gospel is so compelling because of the sacrifice, sacrificial love that is extended to fallen man. We cannot truly keep Christmas without focusing on the wonderful grace and love symbolized and represented by the cross. And the cross and the cradle draw us to Him which brings us to the third symbol of Christmas, and that is the crown. And it helps us to understand the meaning of Christmas. Some years ago it was announced that a $5,000 crib was made for a baby prince into one of Europe's royal families, a jeweled crib for a human child, but a manger of straw for the prince of heaven and the king of glory. Isaiah 9, 6 says, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder. He was born in a manger. He lived in the fields. He slept in an olive grove. He was crowned with a crown of thorns and enthroned upon a cruel cross. Little did those who mocked him with the superscription, realize in a few short hours he would indeed be king over hell and the grave, 
king of the Jews and king of all humanity and king of all the angels and king of kings and Lord of lords. Hallelujah. No one in the universe is more worthy of glory and honor than Jesus. God has crowned him, and so should we. Praise God. Hebrews 2, 9 and 10. And this is how God wants you to see Jesus and how Jesus wants you to see Him and how the Holy Spirit who testifies of Him wants us to see Him this Christmas. Listen, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that He by the grace of God should taste death for every man. That's right. If you're listening to this broadcast today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, He died for you. Make no mistake about it. He went to the cross for you. He wants you to be saved. He wants you, hallelujah, to share heaven with Him forever. Don't ever, ever think that you've sinned so greatly that God's love cannot and will not reach you. This is why He came. He came for you like He came for me and all that have received Him as their Savior. Listen to verse 10. For it became Him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. Amen. You see, friend, Jesus is crowned with glory and honor because in perfect obedience, He suffered and died for us and offered sinless blood, the only sacrifice that could be accepted by God. He humbled Himself and God exalted Him. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus could not be a perfect sacrifice unless he walked in perfect obedience. Listen to Philippians 2 and see if you don't want to crown him this Christmas season. Crown him with glory. Crown him with praise. Crown him, amen, by living a life that brings honor and glory to him. Amen. Listen. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself no reputation and took on himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things beneath the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. You see, friend, one day life is going to be over for us. Or even if it's, if, if we're living and Jesus comes for us, 
to take us home. After hearing one of her chaplains preach at Windsor on the second coming of Jesus Christ, Queen Victoria exclaimed, Oh, how I wish the Lord would come during my lifetime. When someone inquired why, she responded, Because I should so love to lay the crown of England at his feet. Hallelujah. Listen to Revelation 4, 10 and 11. It said, The four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Glory to God. You know, the Apostle Paul, when he became a martyr for the sake of the gospel, when they killed him for what he preached and who he served, he said, the time of my departure is at hand. I've fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I've finished my course. And surely there's a crown laid up for me. Amen. He talked about crowns, that victor's wreath that is given to the winner of the race or the winner of the contest. And you know what's going to happen? Why he wanted that crown? He wanted that crown for the same reason that I wanted. Number one, I want the victory of winning that crown. I want to win it for his honor and for his glory and specifically for the honor of winning it getting it and giving it to Jesus when I get home. Praise God. There's a song that was written by Matthew Bridges back in the 1800s, and it says, Crown Him with Many Crowns. I'm going to read parts of it as we close today. Crown Him with Many Crowns, the Lamb upon His throne. Crown the Virgin Son the God incarnate born. Crown Him, the Lord of love. Behold His hands and side. Crown Him, the Lord of life, who triumphed o'er the grave. And crown Him, the Lord of heaven, enthroned in worlds above. Crown the King to come to whom is given the wondrous name of love. Crown him with many crowns. As thrones before him fall, crown him, ye kings, with many crowns, for he is king of all. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Crown him with many crowns. I don't know about you today, but more than ever, more significant this Christmas than ever. Now when the commercialization seems so empty in light of the challenges that are challenging the world, all of the party and all of the material stuff, don't get me wrong, gifts are wonderful. It's symbolic to me of Christ giving himself for us and God giving his son to us and, and we, we are giving to one another. And loving to one another. Oh friend. But all of that is empty. 
without the hope that only God can give through His Son, Jesus Christ, today. And if you don't know Him as your Lord and your Savior, the Bible says of you, living in a fallen body, living in a faulty body, in a fallen world, that you're without God and you therefore without hope. And that's the most terrifying place that you could possibly be because there is no comfort and there is no consolation. No comfort and no consolation without God and without hope in this present fallen world filled with uncertainty, with the surety of physical death. But you can have an assurance Oh, friend, blessed assurance, says the great Christian hymn, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchase of God. Hallelujah. We are drawn by His Spirit. We are washed in His blood. Today I ask you, I plead with you as I proclaim the good news of the gospel. God has come down. God is reaching out through His Son and by His Holy Spirit and by this poor preacher. He's reaching out to you. And the Bible says concerning us who are saved, who are safe in the fold, that He'll leave the ninety and nine. Not forsake us, just go out looking for the one that is lost, the one that is lost. Are you the one that He's reaching out to? He's already come down. The Holy Spirit is already here among us. Come to Jesus today. Repent of your sin. Receive Him as your Lord and Savior and celebrate His peace, His joy, His consolation, His comfort this Christmas 2020.